based upon his redemption. The Lord desires to bring us all the way back to his direct rule. And there's a particular aspect of this process that I need to touch upon, but we need to be very exercised not to misunderstand this or misunderstand what I'm saying. It would be a shame to us if the only rule we were under is human government. If the only time we drove properly was when we see a vehicle with some kind of gumball machine on its roof. I don't know if they have these in this part of the earth. That's a shame. We need to be recovered to, to conscience. Where there's a sense in our conscience about things, whether there is a person with authority nearby or not. And there can be no substitute for the thorough dealing with our conscience and for the constant exercise to have a conscience void of offense. Uh, Paul exercised himself this way. Before I touch upon, I wouldn't say the difficulty, but, well, there is a difficulty here. I'll give a real-life illustration of a person I know quite well. Sadly, he's not with the recovery anymore. Who is always dealing with his conscience. Dealing with his And when he mentioned dealing with his conscience, you knew he was dealing with his conscience. So he made it very clear he would not be found dead, you know, at a movie. And he dealt with his conscience, straining gnats, Eventually, he swallowed the camel of rebellion. He could be in Brother Lee's presence so humble and deferential and then put out a publication and refer to him as Old Blind Eli. The point of this illustration is if we are not enlightened by God regarding his economy in dealing with our conscience, we will get stuck here. And we will end up being ethical people, merely. Very fine. Good. Not God, but good ethical people. You'd never go to a pub and have a pint. 
you never would be found dead with a beer mug in your hand. And you may think, this is, this is it. I deal with my conscience. But if you stop here, at best you'll be a James in the recovery. At best. A mixture of God's economy with religion and ethics. To live under conscience is to be only halfway recovered. You read the chapter on the experience of life on dealing with the conscience. Brother Lee describes all these stages in both directions. And he situates the conscience in this context. The conscience is not God itself. It represents the conscience, represents God to you. Of course we have to pay attention to our conscience. But eventually the Lord's salvation in life wants to bring us higher so that we live directly under God's rule in the Spirit, mainly, again, through our intuition and fellowship. With the conscience bearing witness that you're right with God. If we stop with the conscience, we may be a Western version of the disciples of Confucius or Eagle Scouts in the recovery with lots of merit badges, but not God men. This can be a snare Brother Lee touches upon it in the book, The Experience and Growth of Life. We have to deal with the conscience. We have to always exercise to care for our conscience. But don't think this is the goal. One may be conscientious in this sense and not be under God's rule. Not be in direct contact with Him not be active in one's intuition and fellowship to know God. When we are the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven and the new earth, will we be under the rule of conscience? Merely? You read Revelation 22, it says, they shall see his face. It doesn't get more direct than this. They shall see his face and then they will reign over the nations. The components of the New Jerusalem will be under the direct rule of the redeeming God face to face because we will be directly under God's rule we then can rule the nations. It's worthwhile if I would turn to this. Revelation 22.4. Just happened to open to it, huh? 
and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they have no need of the light of the lamp, nor of the sun, for the Lord God will shine upon them. Light reigns. God is reigning by shining, and they will reign. They will reign. The redeeming God is on the throne. We are directly under His rule. God is light. The nature of God's expression is light. He is now shining Himself into us. We see His face. And we reign. This is the eternal kingdom of God in the new heaven and the new earth. And all the nations surrounding New Jerusalem will walk by the light of the city. They will be under the rule of the co-kings who are directly under the rule of God. If you are a person of conscience, the most you can do in affecting others is to help them to be conscientious. You can't bring them where you yourself are not. You're a good person. You disciple others to be good. You deal with your conscience. You help others to deal with their conscience. But if we stop here, we're not fully recovered. That's not the kingdom. Because that is not the direct rule of God. The kingdom of God is the direct rule of God Himself. That's why it was so serious for the children of Israel in 1 Samuel to ask for a king. They said, we want to be like the nations. We want a king to lead us into battle. And Samuel was troubled. And the Lord said Samuel to Samuel, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being king. The result was they got Saul until God's choice of a king uh, was established. That's David. A king must be directly ruled by God. If that is to be the kingdom of God, now Nebuchadnezzar had his own kingdom, so he was the ultimate source, or so he thought. But in the kingdom of God, the king is God. And the Lord taught us to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is going on in the heavens is as soon as God says a word to a holy angel, the angel obeys. 
God sent an angel to fetch Peter from prison. Another angel struck Herod. The angel didn't reason. You know, that's murder. I mean, there's no such reasoning. You must do away with him. That is the will of the heavens. The kingdom of God is the realm where there is no resistance to God's will. There's no resistance. There are no intermediaries. If we grasp this principle, we will understand how the body of Christ is the kingdom today. In your body, if it's normal, whatever you will to do is done by the members of your body instantly. If it's to walk, if it's to talk, if it's to gesticulate like this. There's no time delay, there's no hindrance, there's no frustration. But let's say your legs don't move, your arms don't move, your eyelids won't open, your tongue won't speak, then practically speaking, you don't have a body. You know, as an anatomical fact, you have a body, but in function, you don't have a body. The body of Christ is a realm, an organic realm, where the decisions of the head are lived out spontaneously. That's why it's a great thing for the Lord to have the body. When the Lord has the body, He has the kingdom, because now there's an organic entity where Christ the head rules directly. In your body, I don't know physiology, Dr. Stewart can adjust me. But surely through the central nervous system, the brain directs every part of the body. Structurally, my, my big toes are far removed from my head. But through the nervous system, if my head tells the toes to wiggle, which they're doing, but only I know, <laughs> they don't have to get permission from the hips the knees, or anything in between, even though they're so far removed. We don't realize the seriousness of our exceedingly slow responses to the head. However, by saying this, I'm not opening the way for impulses to come in, for the enemy to abuse this. We're just making the point. The head of the body directs all the members of the body. If we are in the reality of the body, we're in the kingdom already. Every member of the body has direct access to the head of the body. Of course, you carry out the direction of the head in fellowship, in coordination, but you don't get permission 
my hand does not get permission from my forearm to move like this. But it moves in coordination with my arm. There's a head who has all the authority. The body itself has no authority. The head has all the authority directing all the activities of the body. That's the body of Christ. And in essence, that's the kingdom of God. It's the direct rule of God. I don't want to stay here too long, but I do have it in my heart to shed a little light because I say this in principle, not because I have x-ray vision into your being. Some of you are stuck at the level of conscience. And you've been stuck here a long time. And you don't know how to advance. So we need the light of truth to dawn on us that God intended in the beginning man lived directly under God's rule and know God through the intuition of the Spirit and contact God through the fellowship of the Spirit. So we need to be saved in life. We need to be strengthened into the inner man. We need to be trained to know God. To know God in our spirit. To know Him by the intuition. Not just know His representative, but to know Him. And this is one of the bequests in the New Testament. All will know Me. I will put My laws into them. They will know Me. In order to rule, we must first be ruled. In order to reign, we must first be under God's reigning in the way of life. This is a fixed principle. When the great mountain fills the whole earth, that will be the manifestation of the kingdom. A manifestation implies something has been invisible that is now shining forth. So what is being manifested? If we're now in the manifestation of the kingdom, what is it that is being manifested? And the answer is the inward reality of the kingdom that is hidden, that is mysterious, because the kingdom is a mystery, that inward reality will now shine forth, will now be visible. If there is no inward reality, there is nothing to manifest. There is just emptiness there. So the very fact there is a manifestation of the kingdom and the manifestation is the expression of the reality and the reality is now 
points us in the direction that we need to be saved in life, we need to reign in life, so that we know now, little by little, to be directly under God's rule. That's the kingdom. Again, I refer you to Revelation 22. They will see his face. How can it be any closer? You will see the face of the redeeming God. Not just have a sense in your conscience that you're okay. Paul, according to 2 Corinthians 2, was brought to the point of living according to the index of Christ, His presence. Paul said, I forgive in the presence, in the index of Christ. I look into His eyes. I have this kind of contact with Him. I know His heart. I know His feeling. And I live that. That's the kingdom. That is a full recovery of a fallen person to the rule of God in life. It is as far above the realm of conscience as conscience is above human government. The enemy has various stratagems to defeat the seekers. But included among them is the ethical religious option to turn you into a James. That isn't pretty. I lived in Anaheim under a James for many years. I loved the brother. It took me years to understand where does this feeling of oppression come from? And eventually, through the light in the ministry, applied to the situation. I can see the difference between brotherly as a God-man and this James person. And the contact with Brother Lee affects me one way, and the contact with this person affects me another way. And And I realize, now I know. So the kingdom is where God rules directly. We should not believe the whisperings of the enemy that this is not for us. If it's not for us, for whom is it then? For whom is it? We all began as a bunch of fallen, leprous, rebellious sinners in death, loving the world, part of the kingdom of Satan. That's how we all began So why not a full salvation? Why not a full recovery? I just say this much on this point. Then the mountain. In Matthew especially, mountains are crucial. When the Lord gave the message that we regard as the Constitution of the kingdom of the heavens, it was on a mountain. 
When the Lord prophesied regarding his coming, he brought the disciples to a mountain. When the Lord commissioned them in Matthew 28, it was on a mountain. In Ezekiel 34, the scattered sheep are recovered to the mountain. The mountain signifies resurrection and ascension. Resurrection with ascension. It may be in Isaiah 4, which prophesies concerning Israel in the kingdom, that Mount Zion will be lifted above all the other mountains. We have to believe this will be a geological fact. So a mountain is an elevation in resurrection and in ascension. Now please exercise faith. Don't think this is too much for me, resurrection and ascension. This is part of the normal progress of the growth in life. One stage is dealing with the natural constitution. Some of you read that chapter. That's to bring your being into resurrection. There's another chapter on knowing ascension. The seeker in Song of Songs came all the way from being a horse to being the heavenly bodies, from being a, to being a garden in resurrection. She was on a mana, looking down. This is normal, just as it will be normal for my little grandchildren to grow to adulthood. It is normal for us to grow through resurrection into ascension to be heavenly beings. This is the mountain. To rule implies you are above the subjects. I don't mean in a hierarchical sense, but always the king is in a transcendent position. There's more about the mountain. <clears throat> the whole city of New Jerusalem is a mountain. In order for there to be one street and for a river to flow on this street and reach all 12 gates, it has to be a spiral. And it's being a spiral implies the city is a golden mountain. We are becoming the New Jerusalem that means we are becoming a mountain. I'm becoming a mountain man. Right? Mountain man. That'd be a good name for a grandson. Mountain man Kangas. It's not likely to happen. I don't interfere with the namings of my grandchildren. So to become the new Jerusalem is to become a golden mountain. Solid and in resurrection. The whole city is resurrection city. 
The standard of everything in this city is resurrection. So to be the mountain really involves a lot. It's a golden mountain. Gold is the nature of God, is to be God in the resurrection life of Christ. And it's to become transparent so God can shine through your being. So there's a lot involved with this mountain. A lot of experiences that are taking place now for us to be not only the body, the bride, the army, and the stone, but a mountain, a formidable God-man being, unshakable, in resurrection, constituted with the golden nature of God, living in ascension, under the direct rule of God in the Spirit. Now, Brother Lee was this kind of person. It was so normal. That is why he lived the way he lived, and that is why I will not try to imitate the way he lived by ethics. I have to live the same way, the way he did, by being saved in life and reigning in life and being under the Lord's rule. Amen. And then my ties will be arranged the way his, his ties are. But I'm not going to take an ethical shortcut. I want the real thing that expresses the direct rule of God. The mountain which is the eternal kingdom in the coming age, is Christ the king with all the co-kings. And everyone is under the direct rule of God and everyone rules for God. So let's suppose that we all pass the judgment seat, we all receive the reward. Where are we going to be on the earth? Do you think we're going to be striving over who gets Ireland? <laughs> who will get Antarctica? It's simple. <clears throat> Wherever the Lord sends us. It's real simple. We are under the Lord's rule. Lord, you're the king. You give me part of Finland? Okay. I'm bound for Helsinki. Or Turku. Right? If I get Siberia, there'll be, no, there'll be no competition, there'll be no rivalry. You finally have a situation where the Lord's will is done. And whatever it is, we do it because it's His will. So if we realize that this is the nature of the kingdom, we can understand how this requires a process, right? Amen. This surely requires a process. Thank the Lord for the process. Thank the Lord for time measured out in days to get into this process little by little. Now one other point regarding the direct rule of God, then I think we'll go to the outline. How do you know? How do you know you're in the kingdom in this sense. How do you know? You might say, uh, I know it by peace. And this is very logical because the Lord is the Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. That's Isaiah. And I would say you're half right. You're half right. At most, half right. But we'll, we'll give you 50% credit. Why do I say that? Well, when you deal with the world or deal with sin or deal with the conscience, don't you deal to the point of life and peace? You have peace. And when you clear your conscience, you have peace. So peace is not the highest indicator And what is the highest indicator? According to Romans 14.17, Paul gives us the answer. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You look at Matthew 25, the Lord is giving the reward. He says, enter into the what? Of your master? The joy. Not enter into the peace. Now, try, please try, and I'll also try, personally, and try to help you try. Try not to be subjective right now. (laughs) The highest indicator is joy in the Lord. How do we know that Paul and Silas after they got beaten severely and thrown into prison, were in the kingdom under the direct rule of God. They were singing. They were praising. They were rejoicing. Didn't the Lord, in Matthew 5, when He's giving the blessings, say, you're blessed, you're blessed. You can translate that. Happy are those. Happy are those. You're happy. You're happy. Eventually, through the help of my dear wife especially, I had to reckon with the seriousness of the lack of joy, of not having joy. It's serious. Why do I say it's serious? Am I trying to give you a hard time? No. I'm trying to point the way and save you some years. When we are ruled by the Lord, we're the happiest person. We're joyful. Joyful. Remember Brother Nee tells that story? And he's making this point. I think it's in Two Principles of Living. Of how the rice fields are on terraces on levels, and the brothers were working some on a higher level and they would pump water to irrigate them. And some of the naughty people that were lower, they would break through and they would drain the water down. And The brothers were not happy. And Brother Nee pointed them in, in the direction of joy. He said, what you need to do is first pump water for them. Let it go down to them. Then you water your own fields. And they were full of joy. They were full of joy. We, if if we mean business to be kingdom people, we have to go beyond peace to joy. 
Okay, now here's the point where you might get subjected. May we all be rescued. The reason we don't have joy is that something other than God is ruling us. And that is not a factor of joy. And what is this thing that's ruling us? The self. The self. Uh, I'll tell you a story now. Uh, It's a story of a failure. So I think you can relate to it and it will be encouraging to you. If I told you super overcoming stories, then you can't relate to them. But there was an office meeting of the serving ones. Brother Lee had this regularly in Anaheim, where the volunteers would come together. And these were videotaped. And during this particular one, Brother Lee took the occasion to render to me some very definite, detailed, prolonged, and severe perfecting. Okay? Which I received. And I went to him the next time we worked together. I said, Brother Lee, I want you to know I have no offense at that. I have no problem with that. I received it. So it seems I'm doing okay. But the serving ones in Irving, Texas, dear ones, they learned about that meeting. And they wanted to watch the tape. (laughs) And Brother Lee was most honorable and respectful. He brought it to me, this proposal. And I was not happy. I thought, whose idea is this? I'm not trusting. Whose idea is this? You're trying to make a spectacle of Ron Kangas <laughs> getting dealt with by Brother Lee. Well, I mean, this is Brother Lee asking for this, and so I acquiesce joylessly. <laughs> And then Brother Lee made this point. Oh, what a point. He said, Ron, you have to be happy about it. You have to be happy about it. And because he knew I wasn't happy, sorry to say, that was my failure. I wish I could reverse the clock. The time went. When was that? That's probably around 82 or 3, okay? Brother Lee, would you accept the 25 years retroactive? <laughs> Amen. I'm happy now. <laughs> I'm happy now, Brother Lee. You can upload it on the Internet. <laughs> no, no, no. This helped me very much. He knew that my lack of being happy with it pointed to a problem. If I could have said, Brother Lee... I'm fully happy with this. If you feel this would be a benefit to the saints, I'm happy for them. But you can't fake it, especially with Brother Lee. (laughs) Don't fake stuff. 
Oh, no, you'll be merciless, more perfecting. At least be honest that you're unhappy. So I was honestly straightforward, not happy. And there was, a, there was a factor of whatever it was. So why wasn't I happy? Because something of myself didn't like that. Something of myself was a ruling factor. But I have contacted, here's a contrast, I have had to contact, not had, had to, I've had the privilege of contacting Sister Lee off and on for decades. I've never seen her once when she has not been joyful in the Lord. Never once. Never once. This really says something to me. And don't think, as the helper of Brother Lee, she had an easy existence. <laughs> the kind of burden she helped him bear and the sufferings they passed through. I, I, I mean it, never. I was doing something late on the Lord's Day night, as mundane as it gets, hauling the trash bins out to the curb for pickup. And I just wasn't enjoying the Lord. I was just doing this meaningless chore. And then she comes out of the house next door with a sister and greets me and smiles, and rejoices, and says, praise the Lord, and I touch God. Okay, I want to be like Sister Lee when I grow up. <laughs> it's not a small thing to enjoy the Lord. This shouldn't be our terminology. <clears throat> to have the joy of the Lord is the strongest indicator of living in the kingdom. It's a joyous realm. The enemy lies to us. The kingdom is called in Colossians the kingdom of the Son of God's love. It is the most delightful realm imaginable. You share God's delight in and love for His Son. And His Son is reproduced as the many sons. You're in a realm of life, light, and love. It's paradise. It's the kingdom of the Son of God's love. That's the kingdom. I don't know what your concept has been during this whole message. The kingdom, authority, direction, righteousness, severity, rod of iron. That's for the nations. The nations need that. Some of them are going to be quite stubborn, so we have to break, break them with a rod of iron, break them to pieces. It may take a few hundred years to subdue Russia. It may take the overcomers a few hundred years to go throughout, right? To subdue the Germans? Whoa! 
Don't be offended if you're a German. Be subdued. What's it going to take to really inwardly subdue some of, some of these folks? So that's for them. The delight, the joy, the peace, the life, the light, that's for us. And when we touch it, we touch the joy of God. And that's why we love to live here. So when Brother Nee was helping these young farmers, he helped them, he shepherded them in to touching the joy of living the highest life according to the principle of life. Not just doing something that's good, going beyond. You see this consistently in the New Testament. In Acts 5, the apostles are beaten. They're rejoicing that they are counted worthy to suffer for the name. In Acts 13, the disciples are filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. We pointed it already in Acts 16. What? They're rejoicing. What was Brother Nee's last word? What was his last message? Did he say it simply, I maintain my peace to the end? No. I maintain my joy. Now we can realize how powerful a testimony that was. 20 years of this kind of situation, his testimony was, I kept my joy. I was under God's direct rule in this situation for 20 years. By the time Brother Nee was my age, he had been in prison for 15 years already. So he learned things early. Well, his course is not mine, so I'm not going to pair myself with him. But I treasured that. We've got to see that in the light of what the kingdom is. God could boast to the enemy, look, look at this person with a heart condition, with tuberculosis. Even his wife dies. You will not release him to go to her funeral. He mourns and weeps over this in his humanity. He rejoices when someone is able to give him some chicken soup. He's thankful for that in his humanity. But you never killed his joy. You never took away his joy. He overcame the whole world system by maintaining his joy. I want to learn to live like this. This is the kingdom. It's not just, I have peace because I take care of my conscience merely. It's I have joy because I take care of his face. And his face is radiant. So, when you have a group of people living like this, they're a mountain. They're a city set on a hill. When all the transactions during the last three and a half years are taken care of, namely the defeat of the enemy's armies and the smashing of human government, 
then there will be the manifestation of a mountain, of a kingdom, of overcomers who learned to live in joy under the rule of God during their sojourn on the earth. Now they will be manifested according to Matthew 13:43b. They will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. According to Matthew 17, the Lord was shining like the sun. According to Matthew 13, the overcomers, the co-kings, are shining like the sun. We are now the reproduction of our king, the same as he is in life and nature. He is under the direct rule of God. We are under the direct rule of God. We are ruled by the shining of God, and we rule by the shining of God, and we are the happiest people. I need to add this, because some of you are thoughtful, and some of you know the depths of human life. I would ask you this question about Paul in Philippians. In Philippians, was Paul happy or sorrowful? Well, it's easy to say, he must have been happy, he must have been happy. He said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Again I say rejoice. That's right. But remember he was talking about, was it Epaphroditus? Who was ill unto death? He said, you heard that he was sick. And he was sick unto death. But the Lord had mercy on him and on me, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. So he had sorrow upon sorrow. At the same time, he had joy. Okay, now we're touching the real thing. Don't think it's the joy is some kind of happy-go-lucky Southern California feeling. <laughs> right? Some, some, some this kind of feeling that disappears as soon, soon as someone scratches the bumper of your new car. Now you're making up what is lacking of the sufferings of Christ, you think. It's a paradox at times. We're humans. We suffer in our soul as humans do. Someone you love is taken to be with the Lord. How can you not weep? How can you not grieve? But the mystery is, deeper than the grief is something else in the midst of it. There's an element of joy in the Lord. That's the kingdom. And so why not ask the Lord for this? Lord, bring me into a a life of enjoying you. Just take my word for it. Sister Lee lives like this. I say this with honor. You'll see her smile. No teeth. You see this endearing smile and her eyes sparkling. And it's like she hasn't seen you for 20 years and she's so happy to see you. And she praises the Lord. I thought, what is this? Europe needs this. Europe needs this. Europe, in a sense, rightly thinks Americans are superficial. We're deep. We have been through the wars. We have been through these kind of things. We admit it. Psychologically, you're deeper. 
But joy is deeper than sorrow. We're here with the joy of the Lord. Okay, you just live this. You don't give it a message right away. You are just there enjoying the Lord in your little flat, which comes equipped with nothing, not even light fixtures, not even a light bulb. You got all the things you took for granted in your Florida apartment. They're not there. You got to buy your own light bulbs. Everything. Toilet paper rack, everything. Okay, welcome to Europe. Okay, welcome to Europe. No Baskin Robbins in sight. But, strangely, you're happier here than you've ever been in your whole life because you're under the Lord's rule. Okay. Uh, I'm glad I took all this time to talk about this, okay? I hope you're glad. I'm happy. I think the Lord is happy. But I think He'll also be happy if I read the outline and give you opportunity to share. The coming of Christ will be the opening of the eternal kingdom of God. This is somewhat a repetition of the previous point. Hence, Christ's coming will be the landmark which closes human government and brings in the eternal kingdom of God. The great image will be replaced with a great mountain. Now, so we need to make a personal decision. Are we for the image or are we for the mountain? Will we we be part of the image Or we will be part of the mountain. It can't be both. It's either image or mountain. I feel sorry for those church kids, we call them, who received mixed messages. Be in the mountain. Be part of the image. Live for the mountain. Live for the image. What are they supposed to do? Try to work out both? End up dividing your heart, splitting your being in half. Michael Stewart's a physician. His being a physician is not part of the image. It's part of the mountain. He made that decision years ago. But still this summer he worked as a physician for practical reasons or whatever reason. But not to be part of the big image. Not to build up something in the world as part of the image but part of the living of the mountain. Okay, the eternal kingdom of God which will fill the whole earth. This means that after Christ comes to crush the aggregate of human government, he will usher in the eternal kingdom of God on earth. Now, we get experiential again right away. The mountain is going to fill the whole earth. How, how will it fill the whole earth if it doesn't first fill our, our whole being? So we need to give the Lord the way, just the opening, to fill our whole being with himself as the kingdom life. Then he'll have the way to fill the earth with the kingdom. Be in God's economy, Christ by his upcoming appearing will smash and crush the aggregate of human government and establish the eternal kingdom of God. 
If as God's people we see the controlling vision of the image in Daniel 2, we will be kept from the world and prepared for Christ's coming as the smiting stone which will crush the aggregate of human government and become a great mountain, the eternal kingdom of God, filling the whole earth. Okay, this connects with the previous message. Now two, the increase of the stone into a great mountain signifies the increase of Christ in his administration to be the kingdom of God. This thought is very significant and A clarifies or at least develops. The church is Christ's increase in life. But the eternal kingdom of God is Christ's increase in administration. Hence, Christ is not only the church, but also the kingdom. So, Christ is the church, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Christ is also the kingdom. As Christ is increasing in us, He's not only increasing in life, He is increasing in administration. This means He subdues and rules over every part of our being. That's the increase of administration. It follows the increase of life. To reign in life means life subdues every form of insubordination in us. Okay. A certain practical example. A week ago Wednesday, the night before I was scheduled to fly to Lima, Peru, I learned about the earthquake, a large earthquake. The epicenter was 90 miles to the south. We had no information about how this was affecting the situation. Was the city functioning? Would the conference be held? And we couldn't get through because none of the cell phones, nothing was operating for, for some hours. And so I proceeded in this way, in the absence of any indication to the contrary, I'll just get up and go to the airport. And I asked my wife, I said, what is your feeling? Dear, what's your feeling? Will this conference be held? And she said, it's going to be held. I said, okay, she's not speaking politically. She's telling me what she senses. That was Wednesday night. When I woke up and got up around 5 the next morning, I did not want to go to Peru. I wanted to go back to bed. I did not want to go to the airport to LAX and find out at the counter that there is no flights, there's no way to land. Two-thirds of my being did not want to go to Lima. I just thought I could sleep another hour. Then I have the whole weekend to work on other things. I can spend half of Saturday on planning my weekend to arrange my office again. And then my dear wife, while I'm showering, she's going online, she says... 
All flights are on schedule. <laughs> and so they get in the car. Brother's driving me to.